Ladies and gentlemen, it's Raven Bond, the James Bond recap podcast where we've been watching all of the Eon Productions 007 series throughout 2020. We've been podcasting about them, writing about them, and now we have to obituary, eulogize, eulogize <laughs> the one, the only Sir Sean Connery who died over the weekend. And with me, as we say farewell, the great actor is a man who possibly is the only other person in the history of the world who can get away with a short, baby blue, Terry Towling onesie romper. It's Stuart Late. Uh, hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. I'm, I, I would love to be able to pull off that look. Wouldn't that be amazing? You, I think you're wearing one right now, Stu. I, I wear one for all of our podcasts. <laughs> um, but uh, And that's canon. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't, I don't wear it outside the house. Now uh, I, feel... I won't subject people to that. Now I feel like I need to have a James Bond themed costume party where the rule it has to be a a like non tuxedo slightly obscure James Bond costume item. It can't be. You can't look nice. You've got to be in one of the dodgy outfits. You, you've got to you've got to find one of the silly outfits. <laughs> you've got to be in either. <laughs> you've got to be like, in the clown makeup. You've got to be in the clown like makeup or the the the, the, the knife throwers outfit uh, <laughs> or in a, in a crocodile suit. It's basically anything from Octopussy yeah. plus the Terry yeah. Towling from Goldfinger. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're doing a very quick mini-sode, mini-pod about the death of Sean Connery, which happened over the weekend. And I guess just reflecting on where we were, because this was this was quite a bizarre experience to kind of be online when the news came through, I should say. But Stu, I believe it was even more bizarre for you because you were in the middle of Queensland state election coverage. Yes, yes. I was I was doing my day job, which is which is uh, working for an outlet and uh, just right in the thick of covering the election. In fact, that the premier's speech, the, like her victory speech had just finished. And one of our producers turned around and said, hey, Sean Connery died. And I had a moment where I thought I was having a full on psychotic break where I was like, is this real life? Am I have I just finally like just the two halves of my personality have finally fatally crashed together? Like what is happening right now? But no, it, it was a very bizarre way to find out. But yeah, Sean Connery passed away on Saturday night, uh, Brisbane time. And uh, yeah, it was it was so weird. And I was so busy and so tired that I didn't have time to process it for a couple of days. We, we actually, <laughs> uh, several of the, the wonderful people who uh, are regular listeners and commenters on online sort of reached out to us like basically straight away and said, oh, you have to do an emergency podcast. I'm like, that will not be happening in no, the next couple of days. I think that was me. I was yeah, like... yeah, you, you, you very kindly <laughs> stepped in. I could not. I could barely type at that point. No, no, no. I think I was the one advocating for a podcast. I was oh, like, right. damn it, why is Stu being such an ethical journalist, you know, putting his uh, proper job first, when all we should be doing is an emergency Sean Connery is dead podcast? <laughs> the- damn him. And his uh, it, ethics. It would have been you very eloquently uh, eulogising Sean Connery, yeah. and me and me sitting there going, "Yes, movie, <laughs> sad." Once talked like this. <laughs> Once talked like this. So I ended up. Talk. Well, I have been trying to write my Casino Royale because I've been the, the, the things have been just on and up and around about and various things. So I've I've been slowly chipping away at other recaps that I am overdue, but I just couldn't write anymore on Casino Royale. I had to kind of go back and just go, I just want to write about Sean now. So I've put up um, on my uh, nataliebohensky.com, there's actually a, a sort of, I guess, an obituary eulogy reflection of sorts with a few clips and things that came to my mind as I thought about you know, my experiences with Sean Connery. It's a really um, nice piece. I, I read it this afternoon. It's nice. What happened for me was really interesting because – 
I posted to socials, including, you know, the wonderful Facebook group that, that I have, yeah, facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne for the blatant plug. And I started writing this big thing and I probably finished about 80% of it. And then Sunday was so busy and mm. Monday then was busy. I sort of finished it Monday night and polished it and sort of put it up. But in the intervening moments, it was really interesting to watch and really, really evident, I, I guess, of how social media kind of changes perspectives and throws in other things is within me going to bed on Saturday night, which was probably early Sunday morning by then, mm. and then by like midday the next day, so much of the Sean Con Connery commentary that was coming through my Twitter feed, if nothing else, was oh, he was a wife basher and a misogynist and advocated slapping women. And the whole <laughs> tone of the kind of marking of his death kind of flipped and it really it challenged my feelings um, because I had written this thing where I wanted to sort of praise his skill as an actor and the, the impact that he had with that role. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, your favourite is problematic. That, that whole yeah, thing sure. came up. Well, Which look, is, I mean, you know, we, we knew that. that. That's not a surprise to anyone, well, I, I don't think. I knew about, you know, Diane Chalento wrote in her memoir of her marriage to him that he hit her and that he was mean and, and cruel to her. And Well, then also there's that famous Barbara Walters interview where he, so, he, he's, he's given so many opportunities <laughs> to walk back comments and he, nope, he doubles down. He's like, I, oh, I just like to slap a woman. I, think I didn't don't. know. I didn't know that one. Like I'm, I probably have seen it somewhere in the past, but it wasn't in the front of my head. So I had, kind of had to go through and sort of read about this stuff and go, oh, Sean, you idiot. <laughs> like, so I had a moment of processing and I had mentioned already in my piece about the Diane Chalanto stuff. So I added in stuff about, you know, the, the, the Barbara Walters interviews and the, the slapping women kind of thing. And, you know, use an open hand, not a fist. Thanks, Sean. Great. Um, <laughs> Progressive well, for his time. I did read, though, that he then did admit that those comments were wrong, like, in the early 2000s, which, okay. That's right, yeah. He has since, he had since sort of uh, walked it back. I mean, that Barbara Walters interview was from the 80s, I think, <laughs> or the early 90s. I mean, you know, as you say, like, I think in the in the sort of much more recently, he's sort of had some time to reevaluate uh, some of his earlier views, uh, which is good. It shows growth, uh, yeah. you know, I think. And again, I don't want to excuse him for having those views. I don't want to sort of downplay it. I really no, don't. No, exactly. But I mean, like, this is this is one of the the, the thing about Sean, the, Sean Connery and the thing that happened over social media was that this is just this game we play now where, where a famous person dies and there's an initial wave of, oh, that's so sad. He meant a lot to me or she meant a lot to me or whatever. And then the game is on for someone to find the thing that will invalidate those feelings. Yeah. And that will be like, actually, they're a piece of shit and, and <laughs> you're a, you, you should feel bad for feeling bad that they've died. Yeah, when, I literally read you know, that, That's what people are doing. Like, like that's, that's not – there are some people out there who genuinely are like, no, this person is terrible and here's why and, he, and I feel quite deeply about this. But what most people are doing is playing this weird alternate reality game where they have to find the thing that cancels the famous person and invalidates your feelings. That, that's what's happening on social media when people are doing that. And I, I just find that game so goddamn tiresome. It, yeah, and, and that's the thing. And it's like he, he was 90 years old. Again, I'm not trying to downplay it, but my grandmother is 95, and sure. I often have conversations with her where I'm like, that's kind of not a view that we really, you know, express anymore, uh, sure. Grand. Like exactly. we, we've changed our language on that issue or we've, you know, and she, you know, it takes, it, it's just your perspective changes and I, I, you know, times change and, 
attitudes change. And also the, the time that Connery was Bond, you know, the whole society was was like, like that. I mean, it yes, permeated exactly. it permeated film because it permeated society. And so I don't – his comments were not right and I don't excuse them. And it's hard because everyone is individual as well. Like I personally don't have any kind of – respect or admiration for Woody Allen. I've never got him. I've never liked him pre, you know, controversial sort of things. But there's going to be people out there who are massive Woody Allen fans who will probably sit in the way that I do going, well, you know, look at this and look at this. So I, I guess all I want to say is that everyone is flawed. Everyone is complex. And what I'm going to do, Stu, is set up some sort of automatic social media um, so on my death, like the last thing I do before I die is trigger off a series of really problematic messages. Um, so it, it will come out like uh, Natalie Bohensky. Hi, everyone. I'm just about to die, but I just need you all to know now that here are all my problematic views and all the bad things I've done. Save it for the death, sorry, Natalie. Sorry, I'm just, well, I'm just, I'm trying to go through the, the back catalogue of the problematic things I've done. Um, but I want that to be released so that nobody can then spoil any good memories of me. Everyone can just go, oh, okay, well, Natalie died and she's admitting to just being really terrible. So uh, yes, exactly. we don't, we don't need to go off and find takes all the, the old takes shit. Take the sting out of it, yeah. Yeah, that's right, really that's right. I'm just going to ease people in to my death knowing that I was a bit rotten. Uh, <laughs> look, look, I mean, I'll say I've got two things that I want to say about Sean Connery. Oh, I think you're going to say about you, Natalie. And <laughs> two two terrible things, things I want to say done. about you. I just want to get some things <laughs> off my chest. Yeah. Uh, two, two things that I wanted to say about the, Sean Connery and the whole social media thing that happened around it is that the first thing is that almost invariably, unless there is there is a small group of people who are reacting to Sean Connery's death because they knew him personally, they either worked with him or they, they knew him in life, and they are grieving a real man who they knew and who has now died. The rest of us are grieving the parts of our life that he touched through his his art. Very true. Right? Like, that that's what people are reacting to. I didn't know Sean Connery but I know and love his James Bond films and like the Indiana Jones film that he was in mm. and like that, that made deep strong marks on my, on my psycho- subconscious mm. at an early age, you know, like, like he was a part of my childhood and, and has been a part of my life mm. you know, ever since. Like he's been around for the entire time I've been alive as an actor. So I have a deep and abiding love of Sean Connery as a figure of pop culture. Mm. And that's what I'm reacting to when I when I hear that he's died. It's like, oh, how sad. Like, you know, I, I connect that to everything, everything in my life that he's touched through yeah. his up, right? You know, and that's why people push back so strongly on, you know, he hit his wife. It's like, yeah, man, okay. But like, you know, Henry Jones didn't hit his wife. <laughs> like, and, and, well, you know, that, that, that we know of. That we know of. I was going to say, James Bond, hmm, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's more problematic. Um, but you know, like, yeah, uh, it, it just, it's like, let me grieve for the part of myself that, that once again, realized that time is passing. Yes. That's the, yes. That's the thing. Like, let me just have a goddamn moment before you play your ghoulish ARG. Okay. <laughs> then does, the se- what does ARG mean? Ultimate reality game. Okay. So that's what yeah. I keep saying. Twitter is one giant ARG being played by 19 year olds. It's, <laughs> you know. Anyway. In the main, like a lot of people who probably should know better, 
Yeah. Oh, well, I just a lot of people like to ruin everyone else's fun. Well, they just like to to be superior to people. They yes. don't like to come in and say, ah, but did you know that this is actually shit? Yeah. So, you know, actually you're wrong and bad for, for feeling sad about him dying. Anyway, yeah, it's yeah. I, it I, sucks. It sucks. There, I, there are there are people who are who are doing it from a place of personal pain and 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 also you know a sense of moral justice, which is fine. But the vast majority of people who are doing that are doing it because it gives them that little dopamine hit to make other people feel bad by pissing on their grief. Yeah, that's what people are doing. Yeah, it makes me mad. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I oh, wanted yes. to say about Sean Corey, there's just two things. So there's that, and there's this which is that what we want out of our celebrities, like, like we saw it, for example, with J.K. Rowling just recently, who mm. is another extremely problematic fave and has become so by her own doing and has, you know, taken on this very complicated role for a lot of people who grew up loving her work and now are like, oh, no, your views are terrible and I don't like them, you know, and that's fine. And so a lot of people are having a complicated conversation with themselves about art versus artist and all that sort of thing, which is great. Like people should have that conversation and, and be able to sort of process that for themselves. But the, the thing that we always hear about J.K. Rowling is, J.K., you have a billion dollars. Why don't you just go away and like enjoy your money? And that's kind of what Sean Connery did yeah. in a way. Like he kind of... <laughs> He kind of did exactly what we want people who are kind of problematic to do, which is he hit a point where he was like, I don't understand film anymore. I, I turned down Lord of the Rings. I was in this piece of crap called Leader of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I don't understand what I'm doing anymore. So I'm going to take my millions and millions of dollars and go live in the Bahamas for the rest of my life yeah. and not bother anyone. And that's what he did. And that's yeah. kind of what we ask of people like him. And he, he did it. He's the one guy who just did it. He just went and went away <laughs> and let us live with the good work that he had done and not tarnish it with more weird stuff, you know? So for that, I kind of like give him points <laughs> in a little, in a, in a small, strange way. <laughs> uh, well, the other thing that I was going to get you to talk about, because I think you retweeted this and I went and read the thread and it was very, very funny. And then it seems to match up with some real life um commiserations that were posted but i think the theory is that sean connery totally called out brett ratner for being a fraud is that <laughs> that's the um the upshot that i got from putting two and two absolutely. together do you want to yes. tell uh, the good listeners the story yeah absolutely well if you go to um at disco stew which is my twitter handle i retweeted the end of of this thread which is probably bad form really but it sort of encapsulated like basically they were saying like sean connery he was a consummate professional really nice guy to work with which which you hear again and again and again when people talk about him he was never bad on set or anything like this so you know like he was never like difficult to work with he was like a professional he was a, he was a worker he showed up mm. did his job and he went home that that was his whole his whole ethos but, yeah, but the, the, and he was the, he was always prepared, and so he yeah. he wanted other people. He expected other people to be just as prepared as he exactly. Would, would be. And so he spent like two days working on uh, punching up a script with these two writers, uh, who I'm I'm not totally familiar with their work, but but basically they they were they were screenwriters. It was early in their career, and suddenly they're in a room with Sean Connery, and he's like working with them, like giving them like genuine valuable notes. 
and all this sort of thing and they're having a great time and then it turns out that like the, he he passed on the movie because he wanted to meet the, the director at a certain time and it turned out the director was like went to see the tennis or something with yeah 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 you know, he saw him on the tv yeah he saw him on the tv he said he couldn't make the the meeting and then he saw him on on the tv in a a, a private box watching the tennis mm. and he was like <laughs> he said to these writers He's like, I'm sorry, fellas, I, I seem to have uh, shined up with a fraud, you know, and so it's just uh, and then it turns out that the director in question was probably Brett Ratner because Brett Ratner then posted a story of his own completely separately. Yes. Saying, oh, I was working on a movie one time with Sean Connery and it fell through. No, no one's fault. Uh, you know, <laughs> just, uh, you know, uh, these things happen in Hollywood. But, you know, would have loved to have worked with Sean. Oh, well, rest in peace. <laughs> I was like, oh man, it was Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner pissed off Sean Connery. But that totally checks out from everything I've heard about Brett yeah, Ratner. Yeah, it absolutely checks out. <laughs> like, of course, Brett Ratner skimped on a, a meeting with Sean Connery to go and like watch the tennis. Yeah. Like, absolute idiot. Who does that? Who? does that like, Brett, Ratner. Every, Brett Ratner does that yeah because the, the, the <laughs> movie was going to have someone else in it and then all of a sudden that changed and these writers were told you have to rewrite the script because Sean Connery is going to be in it now yeah. and I think it was going to it was going to be about like Nazi art uh, Nazi theft of artworks and stuff like that yeah and yeah. so obviously you know so Sean had a vested interest in wanting to make it good and he turned up and wanted to improve their script and was as you say, really valuable. But then the director, Brett Ratner, is like, ah, it's just Sean Connery, you know, spending time writing. And Brett Ratner said, I think, in his message that he was like 34 at the time because this is like 2004 or something. Yeah, and everyone like, forgets that Brett Ratner was like this insane wonderkind who like but was like directing you... major films when he was like 20. Yeah. How do these people do this? Oh. I was just looking up because I was looking up uh, obviously for Spectre and I looked up No Time to Die and uh, the director, Kerry Fukunaga, he's 43 and he's directing a Bond film. And I felt like, how did, you, how did, these, <laughs> how did these guys? And I think he did, um, he's sort of been very active for about 10, 11 years. So that's like his very early 30s that he's hmm. starting directing major, you know, major TV series. I think he did True Detective and, yeah. Uh, how? How? How stupid? <laughs> how do they? I don't know. How do they do this? And then you see, like, the number of women uh, writers and directors who just can't get work, and then you seem to get – and, look, no doubt that Kerry Fukunaga is very talented. I'm not having a go there, but it just seems to be so easy for some people or, like, they're able to achieve it so young. Um, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. But I did – as I say, I did do some reflections on, on Sean Connery on my blog, and you can go and have a look at that. But I just find it really interesting timing that at the end of our – essentially the end of our Raven Bond project, he uh, – Well, Ra Raven Bond will always return, but oh, this, this, is the, this is it for now. That was it for, for Sean Connery. But, it, yeah, it was, it was like of all the years, you know, it's, it makes a certain sort of poetic – sense that he hmm. turned 90 and um this was the year of 2020 and this has been our bond project and it ends with sean connery um off to the great golf course in the sky <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean he is you know what i wanted to say and i i did a bit in my piece is he is the bond standard they they did a poll recently where i think timothy dalton came out tops for Bond, he became named as best Bond, and it's because that they put Daniel Craig up against Sean Connery. 
Mm. And it's like, well, of course Sean Connery is going to win. It's Sean Connery. Like, Sean Connery shouldn't be in the voting. <laughs> it's an unfair advantage. He originated the role. Yeah, it, exactly. Like, like it's it's funny. It's been funny going back and, and watching these films because you do go back and you realise, oh, yeah, the thing that worked was Sean Connery. Yeah. Like, in, in every single one, even when he's really not showing up, yes. he's still Sean Connery. And That's it just right. works. Yeah. I think that really shows the impact that people, their personality, their background, their intensity bring to roles that make something work where another actor, it doesn't fit. I think another famous example of that was uh, Viggo Mortensen being brought in to be Aragorn because they mm. had started filming with Stuart Townsend, I think. Yeah, Stuart who, Townsend, yeah. Whatever happened to him? But anyway, but he, they've sort of worked out that it's not working well. He's he's too young or he's not rugged enough or for whatever reason they went we have to we have to change you you know sorry <laughs> and then they brought in Viggo Mortensen who of course is fantastic and perfectly grizzled and was kind of one of the best things about those films for me yeah absolutely you know, Viggo, he's he's like one of those oh wow you're so kind of dirty but uh it works <laughs> don't have a lot of showers in Middle Earth, but I'm kind of digging it. Mm. But yeah, so so Sean Connery just put that stamp all over Bond um, to the point where Ian Fleming, you know, after seeing Doctor No, threw Sean Connery's Scottish heritage into the heritage of Bond. Yeah, exactly. So, like like he re he reshaped the actual original like literary character around himself. Yes, which is, which is saying something. There's, yeah. there's very few people that have actually done that. Yeah, it's such an achievement, and he's done so many other things. You mentioned Indiana Jones, of course. For me, his his um, you know, main achievement is the 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 uncredited cameo appearances, which is Lionheart <laughs> at the end of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It is, yeah, and you know what? That, that is a, that is a cameo that is playing purely on the fact. It's like holy shit, it's Sean Connery. Yeah. Right. Like like yeah. that that is that is pure star power. That performance. He just walks on he's barely in character he's just Sean Connery <laughs> in a in a in chainmail in chainmail yeah <laughs> but I, I it's great I heard I think I heard because he's uncredited but I think I heard he got paid like a million dollars to do that yeah he, he like shows up he's like give me a million dollars I'll be there yeah it's amazing and then sort of that second half of his career and I sort of in my piece talk about how it, it almost seems like when he ditched the hair pieces a whole different career kind of opened up to him Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I only know him from, you know, other than the James Bonds, like like the only roles that I know are him as a grizzled old man. That, that was how I know I knew him as a child. And then you would go back and watch him in James Bond as this this athletic young man, you know? Yeah, you're right. And so you think like the untouchables and you think of uh, Entrapment and The Rock and uh, even <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's grizzled fighting man, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he still beat you up. Like, don't don't turn your back on him kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Vale, Sean Connery, It's uh, it's been lovely kind of revisiting his Bond work, even Never Say Never Again <laughs> <laughs> this year. Such a strange beast that is. And really, I guess now we've, we've lost two Bonds. We've lost Roger Moore and we've lost uh, Sir Roger Moore and Sir Sean Connery. So we've got, uh, what, four still left? Well, what, so what, I, do they, what do they say, Natalie, the first time is carelessness, the second time is enemy action? No, no, the first time is happenstance. Oh, right. <laughs> the second time is coincidence. The third time is enemy action. Right. So all I'm saying is leave Trent, Timothy Dalton alone. Leave Timothy Dalton alone. <laughs> I was about to say leave Trent Dalton alone, the famous Queensland writer. Leave him alone as well. Also but leave more, him alone. But more particularly, leave Timothy Dalton alone. <laughs> Please let, let him stay with us. He's too beautiful to die. 
even though he's in his mid seventies. And there's something about them. He's kind of gone the same way that uh, Sean Connery did, which is still be Sean Connery was still very attractive and like retained a sex appeal. I think Roger Moore, oh, yeah, yeah. not so much into his later <laughs> years. But I think Timothy Dalton and then Pierce Brosnan has just gone kind of full mountain man. So if you're into that sort of thing, he's hmm. he's still got it. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Daniel Craig goes after Bond. So and Daniel Craig is really, I guess, the successor to Sean Connery in many ways. Certainly was compared to him a lot. So, but that will be talked about more in our Spectre podcast. So stay yes, tuned. Just coming up. And you will hear us discussing the twenty fourth Bond film. And how does Daniel Craig deal with a character that Sean Connery first encountered, Blofeld? Uh, So that's our mini pod. Stay tuned. Very soon we will have the Spectre podcast out for you. I don't know how to close off a mini pod. Do we say for now? (laughs) No, what's something Sean Connery would wear? Shaker, not stirred. What else would he say? I can think of several things he'd say, but we're just going to get cancelled. Yeah, we're just going to. We'll just remember him for his starring role in Darby O'Gill and The Little People. Oh, yes, exactly. (laughs) If we remember him in no other way, (laughs) let's remember that. Uh, Thank you so much. We will see you soon for the Spectre podcast. Bye.